happy 2021! And welcome to Weird Animal Facts. Explicit. I'm your newly transformed host, Deidre. And by newly transformed, I just mean that I got a new laptop. So that means editing these episodes take no time at all. Ah, uh, technology. Something me as a zookeeper knows little about. If it's not a zip tie, duct tape, or a random power tool, me understanding it will be the equivalent of me attempting to speak Latin. And if you stay tuned, you too will get to witness my attempt at sounding smart. Oh yeah, I talk good. Yeah. With the new year comes a new you, a new me, a new world. The turning of the year for many cultures symbolizes transformation. And whether your resolution is transforming into the perfect beach bod, or transforming so that you can become one with your sofa, we all do and will continue to transform into the person your parents hoped you would be, all while complaining to your face how you could be better. This episode's kind of like that. Some of us will transform into the perfect embodiment of our parents' hopes and dreams, while others of us will melt and shrivel up into a pathetic blob on the ground to try it all over again. It's a strange circle of life some animals live, and today's animals are no exception. Butterflies and the immortal jellyfish. Distract your children with leftover holiday candy as you sit back and enjoy today's adult only episode. The butterfly, the tissue paper of insects. Or I guess technically we should be calling this animal Lepidop... Lep... Hmm, this is the word. Lepidoptera. Lepidoptera. As caterpillars are butterflies. Just like how a pig fetus is still a pig. Or is it more like an egg is a chicken? Is an egg a chicken? Oh, are we wandering into pro-life discussions? Alrighty then, let's clear out of this lane and get back to butterflies. I mean caterpillars. Butterflies. Caterpillars? There has to be an easier word than lepidod, lepidop, lepidoptera, lepidoptera. I thought the scientific names uh, were coming at the end. <laughs> that word is too big and too fancy for this early in the episode. However, since technically caterpillars are the larvae of butterflies, I can just say butterfly. Butterflies! I'll say butterfly. But we cannot leave the caterpillar out as they are a very important role to the butterflies. I mean, they are butterflies. They're just pre-butterflies. Alright, I think we need to back up just a little bit. Eggs. We eat them for breakfast. Not butterfly eggs, though, as that would not sustain any human for any amount of time. The butterfly's life begins as an egg. Mama Butter will lay up to 500 eggs. FYI, we'll be talking about the monarch butterfly's life cycle in uh, this little bit right here. And Mama Butter lays these eggs exclusively on milkweed, which is neither a weed nor milk. Technically, it's not a weed in the United States or Mexico, as that's where it's found. Same thing with monarchs. But both monarch butterflies and milkweeds have been introduced in other countries, such as Australia and Europe, and it's also not made of milk. It just got that name because when it breaks, it looks like it bleeds milk. But it's not milk. Just a white, sticky juice. Kind of like another white, sticky juice. Ew. Also, uh, don't try to drink it, as it's not milk. And it's very poisonous. Fun fact! 
Monarch butterflies are also poisonous, so don't eat them. How could anyone eat something so beautiful? They're like those cakes that cost like your entire paycheck, but look exactly like your adorable dog. Monarch butterflies are poisonous because as caterpillars, they eat the poisonous milkweed and they don't die. But if you eat them, you could die because they will store the milkweed's glycosin, which is the stuff used to make certain drugs and poisons. Monarch butterflies, a deadly beauty. If you eat it. Back to eggs. Once she has laid her 500 eggs over the course of two to five weeks on the milkweed, from there, the eggs will hatch into one to five days. From that tiny, what looks more like a firm, nasty booger left over, will emerge in the same way as the larvae did in the original alien sci-fi movie. But only if that barely alien ate the entirety of the man. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. That larvae will eat the eggshell. Just like a hippie mother eats her placenta. Yum! Because let's face it, Eric Carl got one thing right in his children's book. That is one hungry, hungry caterpillar. Om nom 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 nom. Why the hell is that caterpillar eating so damn much? Well, they are creating life! And that's a lot of work. And the life they will be creating is their own. And if you knew that in order to grow up, you'd have to create a chrysalis for your body to basically melt and somehow form back together into a supermodel, you'd be stress eating a lot too. And it's not really stress eating, okay? They're just eating so that the caterpillar will have enough energy to survive the melting process. I'm melting! Oh, what a world! What a world! And that's what it is. Melting. Inside the chrysalis, that once caterpillar will melt down via digesting enzymes. You know, the same stuff that breaks down the food in your gut. Breaks down! If you open a chrysalis, which you shouldn't, at just the right time, it will be nothing but ooze. Ooze! So this is the equivalent of taking the talented Steve Buscemi, you wrap him up in a tarp, you let him sit out for a few days, and he'd completely melt. Yeah, but... Once you unwrapped him, he looked like Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> How the fuck does melting down Steve Buscemi transform him into the sexy Michael B. Jordan? They don't look anything alike! How the fuck does that happen? Okay, let's go inside Steve Buscemi's tarp. I mean, the caterpillar's chrysalis. Fun fact, it's not a cocoon. That would be moths and those naked old people of the Florida rest home of the 80s. You know from that movie? Chrysalis is butterfly. Now you know. The meltdown inside the chrysalis isn't a full meltdown. A full meltdown is when your anxiety takes over and you can't think properly, so you go lock yourself in the bathroom to breathe heavily and cry. Make sure the fan is on so no one hears you. Can you hear the pain through my sarcasm? <laughs> Back to butterflies. But not the ones my mental illness has created in your stomach with that very detailed imaginary story. Imaginary. Imaginary. I'm fine. 2020 is over. I'm fine. Okay, so there are these sacks of skin placed strategically on that pre-butterfly critter. And these sacks of skin have information in them that don't melt away with the now apparently useless tissue well inside the chrysalis as these sacs are the indestructible instructions into creating a butterfly. And these sacs of skin are on the caterpillar when they first hatch from their little egg. 
just waiting for the day all that extra tissue melts away in the darkness so they can create wings, eyes, legs, antenna, mouth, and even a butthole. Imaginal discs. Not imaginary, but very, very real. Imaginal discs. That's how you get Michael B. Jordan from Steve Buscemi. Imaginal discs. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for... Why It's an Insect! And not a bug. As you all know, the butterfly is an insect, which has led us to this round. Put 30 seconds on the clock. Your time starts now. Name each of the three body segments of an insect. A head, a thorax, a abdomen. Correct. How many pairs of legs does an insect have? Three. Three pairs. They are all jointed. Whoa, 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 wait, stop, stop the clock. What the fuck does that mean? Oh, you mean jointed legs? Yeah, what the fuck does that mean? Um, is this, is this part of the game show still? Sure, it'll be the bonus features. Um, what about bonus points? Just answer the question. Okay, um, oh, okay, um, jointed legs are uh, legs um, that are designed to flex or, and or bend in at least one spot along the leg. Jointed legs. Insects have three pairs. So how many extra points do I get? Well, I mean, that's pretty cool, but I just read the cue cards. I, I don't give out points. Resume the clock. What is it called when you don't have a backbone? An invertebrate. What is a hard shell covering the outside of the insect's body? Exoskeleton. Ding, 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 ding. Did I win? <laughs> we'll find out next time on... Why It's an Insect! these games for a really long time like when is it over when do when do i win that doesn't answer my question so butterflies are insects as are moths but moths are not butterflies and butterflies are not moths but they both are leopard lepidoptera i'm sorry i cannot read that word very well wait 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 i'll have the phone say it lepidoptera Lepidoptera. I wasn't anywhere close. <laughs> Anyways, so how do you tell the difference? All right. It's all, well, it's kind of all in the wings. Think about a butterfly as that thin, pretty Christian in the big fancy church hat who has to sit in the front pew every Sunday morning with her hands folded ever so nicely. While the moth is that thick night worker in the hey, faux baby. fur with her hands I down low. Also, the butterfly church lady has a proboscis for reaching into the money basket that you pass around. Oh, also, it'd be her tongue. And that tongue would be stealing money from the basket, not donating it. Proboscis. But at least the proboscis is fun! It looks like a party horn blower, like the ones you use on New Year's that roll out. That's what a butterfly proboscis is. Proboscis. Proboscis. I think I'm saying that correct. We're not gonna, even going to ask the phone because I'm confident. All right, they use that proboscis to get the juice nectar out of those pretty flowers. The Sunday hat-wearing churchgoer really is the perfect metaphor for the beautiful butterfly. Just as those bright colors on the butterfly's wings indicate that if you try to take a bite, you'll get into some trouble, nothing could be more true about that Kentucky Derby-looking eccentric woman who looks kind and approachable, but the moment you forget to bring that casserole you volunteered for the Sunday brunch, <laughs> you might as well shrivel up and die. And for as hypocritical and, some may even say, overrated, that church lady 
and Butterfly are, both are very much needed in their environment, assuming she's not stealing from the church's money. If that church lady drops dead, so would those perfectly organized delicious picnic and brunches that she organizes. And without butterflies, many animals that depend on them for food wouldn't have a snack to chow down on. And many plants depend on the butterfly to help them have sex and reproduce. Oh yeah. Also, they're indicators, letting you know how good the environment is actually doing. Just like how if you see that butterfly church ladies has signed up to help organize that church festival, you know it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. Speaking of good, one thing that didn't transform real good with the new year were my reading skills. Here's to prove that is the first round of Scientific Names Are Hard. So for those of you who are just joining us, the segment Scientific Names Are Hard works like this. Obviously, as you've heard, I'm not very good at reading certain things that are really crazy words. So to make it more fun and humorous, I asked my roommate Emily to write down on some sheet of papers, right here, some scientific names of animals we've discussed today. So we have three butterflies, because I've asked her to write three down. So we have the monarch, which we'll start with that one. Monarch butterfly. Danis plexipus. Danis plexipus. That one was easy. All right. Next, she googled blue butterfly and has the magnificent owl butterfly, which sounds adorably beautiful. Opening this up. Caligo atreus. Caligo atreus. Ooh, these ones are not very hard. Oh, this one she googled, green butterfly, which is actually the emerald swallowtail butterfly. Pabileo palinurus. Pa Pabileo Pabalurus. So there you have it, folks. Those were three scientific names of different butterflies. Flat like a butterfly, sting like a bee. Da, 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 da. Don't know the song. Oh, yeah. It's the transition song. From going to one topic to the next. It's the transition song. So that we have no awkward silence. The immortal jellyfish. The creature that never dies. Before we get too deep into the weirdness of the immortal jellyfish, let's learn just a bit about jellyfish in general. What is a jellyfish? Uh, to be honest with you, it looks kind of like an alien brain that would be in a random jar in the background of a mad scientist lab from a 1950s horror movie. At least that's what the bigger ones look like. The smaller ones could be the snot rocket of that alien. <coughs> and also the ones that you see that get washed up on the shoreline looks to be like a melted plastic breast implant from the 1990s. But but what, what really is a jellyfish? Because that obviously is not. A jellyfish is a brainless, bloodless, and yes, it is also heartless creature. So then you may be asking yourself, is a jellyfish even an animal? Yes! I mean, if it wasn't, why the hell would I be talking about it in this podcast? It's called Weird Animal Facts. And the jellyfish is weird. And get this, they aren't even fish. Some dude just threw the word fish at the end of jelly because it lived in the water. And back then, everything that was aquatic was a fish. Even whales were fish. Fun fact, Whales are not fish. Neither is the jellyfish. 
Jellyfish are literally spineless goops of water floating aimlessly in the empty void of the ocean. But they are still animals. And what makes them animals would take us into the nitty-gritty of the cells that we don't have time to get into today. But trust me, jellyfish are animals. They just aren't fish. They're actually a type of plankton. Fun fact, the word plankton comes from the Greek word planktos, meaning to drift or wander. So next time you decide to go wandering through the aisles of Target and the employee asks if you need any help, just tell them that you're planktoning. And technically, since you're an animal, you could say that you're zooplanktoning. Double fun fact, phytoplankton refers to plants. Zooplankton refers to animals. If you want to get specific, which we will for a hot second, hot, hot second specifics! Jellyfish are a type of zooplankton called Skyphozoa. That's their class. Kingdom phylum class. Order. Family genus species. And Skydophoa, Scott, Skyphozoa, are true jellyfish. As there are fake ones out there you gotta watch out for. Such as the Manowar jellyfish, which is not a jellyfish, but a Sympho, Symphonophore. A different class from what our true jellies are. Okay, so basically, you don't need to know any of these crazy words, because I can't even say them. All you need to know is that since these names of their classes are so ridiculous and really hard for me to say and remember, there's a, all you have to remember is that the difference between a true and what we'll call fake jellies are their class. Kingdom phylum class. Order. Family, genus, species. All right, can we get back to the easy words now, please? Jellyfish. That's an easy word. Jellyfish go through their own form of metamorphosis. Metamorphosis sounds like a big fancy word, but it's kind of easy. We know about metamorphosis from amphibians. <laughs> but we're talking about jellyfish right now. Back to point. But in the world of the jellyfish, before the metamorphosis happens, something else takes place that is oh so important. That means we must first start the same way your life did. With sex! That's right. Whether you want to admit it or not, your parents did the hanky-panky in order for you to be listening to this ridiculous podcast today. For that, I thank your parents for that condom breaking. And I also thank my parents for tearing through their sheets and creating me. Isn't sex just great? Without sex, this podcast wouldn't exist. Thank you, penis and vagina. But right now, we don't really care about people sex. We want to know how those jelly do their gigolo dance of seduction. Wow. And it's not really as elegant as, uh, say, you on a Friday night messaging it up on Tinder. Well, well actually, <laughs> it might be, but okay. Let me just tell you how a jellyfish do it so that uh, you can be the judge. Imagine sperm everywhere. Mothers of teenage boys can probably understand. And the sperm is like a fog of semen, just floating in the water because, let's face it, males are disgusting. But what could be considered more disgusting is that the female jellyfish, depending on the species, will then swim through that swamp of semen. And voila! Fertilization! That's it. That's how they do it. Alright, now since we got the hanky-panky sexy part over with, let's get down to the life cycle. After boinking, or whatever you want to call it, since boinking technically isn't really appropriate for this, an egg is created, and then becomes a planula larva, larva to larvae, which will find its way to the seafloor and then 
kind of becomes a Charlie Brown-looking Christmas tree, which is called a polyp. Next, and try to stay with me on this as it's going to get really weird. Imagine a can of Pringles. Like I said, weird. They're all stacked up. Well, the jellyfish is in that Charlie Brown Christmas tree stage, or a.k.a. polyp. It begins to do what is considered cloning and creates what I'm going to be calling Pringles Stacks. Once you pop, the fun don't stop. With the stalk of the Christmas tree working like a skewer holding them all in place. As each Pringle is pulled off, a.k.a. leaves the nest, a new animal is now out there in the world called Ephra. And from the Ephra, it will soon transform into that Medusa. And a Medusa is what we common folks refer to as a jellyfish. Tentacles and all. Now since we know the weird life cycle of the common jellyfish, it's time to get even weirder as we look at the never-ending life cycle of the immortal jellyfish. Alright, it's important for you to know that jellyfish come in all different sizes. The lion's mane jellyfish of the Arctic and North Pacific can reach lengths of 36 and a half meters. That's 120 feet. And we're including the tentacles in this. While the smallest jellyfish is only about the size of a chocolate chip. And has a name I will butcher, so I'm just going to tell you that it's a species of box jelly. Found on the North Queensland coast. Or off of the North Queensland coast, not on the coast. Although I guess like the shriveled bodies would be on the coast, but anyways, that's the smallest. Also, it's one of the more venomous ones out there. And as interesting and weird as a jelly's sting is, we've got a bit too much to talk about today to get into all that. Maybe I should have just made this episode about jellyfish. Oh well, there'll be more jellyfish episodes in the future. So subscribe. Or follow, I don't really know, whatever. Yeah, just keep listening. They'll be here. The size of the immortal jellyfish, you know, the jellyfish we're talking about today, is rather small. About the size of the nail on your little pinky finger. And was originally discovered in the Mediterranean Sea back in 1883. But it wasn't until a random student in 1988 who collected some of these little jellies and saw with his own eyes, as well as showing his professors and a few other jelly brains, did the secret of this jellyfish come to life? Again and again and again and again and again and again. Here's how this little like invertebrate never dies. Okay, remember the life cycle of the jellyfish? Eggs to larvae to polyps. Or, you know, or the Charlie Brown Christmas tree, then develops into layers of Pringles or Ephra. That sprouts off to become a Medusa. Alright, that's the circle of life of a jellyfish. And the Medusa is the final stage. It'd be like a butterfly of their life cycle. But unlike a dead butterfly that meets its end of old age and then just shrivels up and dies so that its body can be either be eaten by something or it can just decompose to become one with the earth, there's an end to its beautiful life. The immortal jellyfish says, fuck that, and starts life all over again. Imagine you're an adult. It's a hard concept, I know. And you're up there in age and life's just getting too difficult. So what's a person to do? Well, you could just shrivel up into a gluttonous blob, collapse to the floor in defeat, and see if you take root so you can start life all over again. I mean, isn't that what we're all hoping for when we all curl up into the fetal position? These jellyfish actually do that. At their dying stage of the Medusa, rather than just dying and calling it quits, they literally turn into a ball of tissue. They fall to the sea floor, take root, so to become that polyp or Charlie Brown Christmas tree, and then 
just jump back right into the normal jellyfish life cycle from there. And once all those new Medusa copies reach adulthood and are ready to die again, they turn into the ball of tissue, fall to the floor, and do it all over again. Now remember, off one polyp comes a bunch of Pringles chips. Ephra that bud off to create more identical copies so to take over the world! Okay, so maybe they aren't here to take over the world, but maybe they are. These little things are like that Greek monster Hercules fights, Hydra. You know, like the one when you chop its head off and more grow! Like you think it's dead, but then there's more there in its place. And these little boogers are excellent hitchhikers. They have been known to hitch rides in the ballasts of cargo ships and have now been seen all over the world. From first being discovered in the Mediterranean, these creatures have been seen off the coast of Panama, Florida, Spain, and Japan. Maybe, maybe they are aliens here to take over the world. Okay, they're just a simple creature that can't die. All right, I mean, but they can die. Like, other animals can eat them so they don't regenerate, right? But why don't they die? Why don't you die? Why don't you die? One man aims to find out. A Japanese marine biologist named Shin Kabuta is one of the only people doing extensive research on these tiny, never-dying creatures. He has little funding, a tiny lab, and lots of jellyfish that he alone takes care of. And it sounds horribly tedious. He has to feed each one, maintain their water quality, and monitor and observe. That may sound easy just because I'm listing things off, but me, as a zookeeper who has had to hand-feed baby birds every few hours, can attest to say that it sucks. I don't enjoy it. I'm, I'm glad there are people out there who like doing that sort of thing. I mean, you have to measure out the correct formula per water ratio, make sure it's at the perfect temperature, then shove a tube down the bird's throat. Oh, oh, and uh, make sure it goes down the right tube, like into the bird's crop and not its lungs, or you'll kill it. And baby birds are tiny. Yeah, they're tiny, so that little tube's tiny in their throat, right? Well, just imagine doing this sort of thing and this sort of detail and meticulous work with something that's ten times as tiny and and there's ten times as many of them. Yeah, that's how it is with the jellyfish, these immortal jellyfish. Yeah, no, thank you. With all the work that goes into caring and studying these tiny little jellyfish, why is Kabuta even doing it? What's the point? Immortality. 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 Kabuta believes that these tiny jellyfish hold the key to unlocking immortality. When the immortal jellyfish shrivels up and appears to die, the cells of the jellyfish, that are now just a blob, can turn into different cells. That'd be like if a fat cell turned into a nerve cell. And this is the stuff that human stem cells do. Remember how we used to hear about stem cells all the fucking time? Well, there's a reason. Because stem cells are thought to be like your gullible little brother and are capable of becoming different types of cells, scientists are using stem cells to replace damaged or lost cells due to diseases like leukemia and lymphoma. There's still a lot of research needed to solve the mystery of the stem cells, but because the immortal jellyfish seems to have it all figured out, Kabuta is hoping his research can, and if not figure out how we can be immortal, at least it can help aid in the future health of the world. And that's why science matters. 
Now let me aid in your future health by giving you a good laugh as you listen to me attempt to read the immortal jellyfish's scientific name. It's now time for... Scientific Names Are Hard. Here's our sheet of paper, Immortal Jellyfish. I'm going to attempt to read it now. <laughs> Tur... Tritop... 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 Tripto... Triptop... Triptoptis... Trip... Trip... This one... I don't know why this one's so hard... Tritopsis... Tritopsis... Dorini... Dorini... Tritopsis... Dorini... That's it! That's the scientific name of the immortal jellyfish! Assuming your 2020 was as shitty as everyone else's, I sincerely hope your 2021 is filled with a new, positive transformation. And as both the butterfly and immortal jellyfish have shown, to have a true, beautiful, and everlasting transformation, you're gonna have to have at least one meltdown. And I think we can all agree that 2020 was the world's meltdown. Here's to a new and bright future. Thanks for sticking around and listening. I hope this podcast has been able to bring out some joy through the world's trying time. And if it has, please leave us a review so that others can share in the weird and stupid humor of this show. Thank you all for sticking around, and we'll see you next Monday. Until then, stay weird!